Hi, I'm Obin Negonu. Yes, I do firmly believe that 5G will change the world. And this is because 5G is not just another G. It represents a transformational inflection point uh, for telcos when you think about it and their ability to compete in a future in which everything and everybody is literally connected. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. The show this week is brought to you by our friends at NetScout. Before we get into that 5G discussion, we like to take a moment to try to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. OB, are you ready for those? Uh, Yes, I am. Go ahead. All right. Question number one. Which living person do you most admire? Um... That would be President Barack Obama. Um, He has definitely inspired a younger generation of African-Americans or minorities um, to think or dream big and be relentless in in pursuing their goals and aspirations, uh, despite whatever obstacles that, that they may face. And question number two, what is the quality you most like in another person? (laughs) Um, That's another good one. Um, it would be humility. Um, it's, to me, it's a quality or attribute that manifests in, in various ways. Uh, you know, it could range from someone taking ownership or responsibility for their actions or someone being filled with gratitude for what they have <clears throat> or even someone who seeks to add value to others. Um, yeah, so it would, be, it would definitely be humility. And question number three, which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> um, that's a good one. Uh, it would be effectively or essentially. Um, so I'm giving you a heads up right now. Brace yourself because you're about to witness it firsthand. So Obi, I appreciate you joining us. And maybe as we start our conversation, you could give me and our audience an overview of worldwide technology and what you do in your role as global 5G telco and cloud leader. Absolutely. Thanks, Sean. Um, So Worldwide Technology is a privately held technology solutions provider founded in 1990 uh, with over 6,000 employees worldwide and um, nearly $13 billion in annual revenue. Uh, Our growth is is as a result of our continued commitment to delivering world-class services uh, to our customers, uh, which typically include large or small um, enterprises across different verticals, um, public sector customers, and also global service providers as well. Um, we partner with the world's leading uh, technology manufacturers, right? So for example, you know, Intel, Cisco, HPE, Dell, VMware, Red Hat, you know, just to name a few, uh, to offer technology solutions to our customers that drive and improve their own businesses. Um, you know, the various components from these partners uh, can be evaluated individually or as an end-to-end solution in our testing and research facility or lab, which we call our Advanced Technology Center or ATC, uh, and then integrated as an entire infrastructure stack, you know, and by that I mean, you know, combined hardware, software, racks, cabling, uh, in one of our global integration centers, you know, for onward delivery to our customers' data center facilities. Um, you know, this enables them uh, seamlessly deploy the infrastructure in their networks um, to start providing or, or, or delivering new services. Um, as for my role, you know, I'm responsible for defining the, the vision, 
mission and strategy for our engineering practice, uh, which focuses on mobility, the 4G, 5G, you know, private wireless networks, um, telco cloud solutions, and then multi-access or mobile edge computing solutions, uh, specifically for our service provider customers. And then I think it's really interesting that that overlap between 5G and cloud is called out right in your title there. And I wanted to explore that a little bit. You know, I kind of look back over all the 5G marketing I've seen in the past few years. And I recall this phrase, 5G is the first generation of cellular born in the cloud. But then if I look at some of those early deployments, you know, circa first half of 2019, that wasn't really true. Those non-standalone networks, uh, I don't think cloud native is really an accurate descriptor, but today it seems that the momentum is really picking up in terms of running telco workloads in centralized and distributed cloud environments. So I was hoping you could maybe share with us some perspective on why a cloud-based network is key to 5G really delivering some of these high value use cases that we uh, associate with it. Right, uh, well, that's a great question, Sean. You know, if you think about it in previous years, within the telco industry. Uh, you know, networks were built primarily with dedicated hardware running proprietary software. Um, you know, these solutions weren't necessarily cost effective or even optimized or scalable. Um, but one could argue, you know, they were reliable to an extent. Um, fundamentally, a cloud-based network operating model enables service providers to deliver um, new or enhanced services uh, to quickly respond to network demands in a more agile or flexible or, or even scalable fashion. Um, but now in order to cater to or, or even support you know, network traffic from what 5G will bring to bear, right? In terms of billions of connected devices um, along with the anticipated wave of 5G applications, I think telco networks must be transformed or redesigned to a centralized or distributed cloud environment. Uh, to be able to deliver gigabit throughput speeds or uh, milliseconds of latency and much greater capacity or density. So you can think of uh, the cloud-based operating model as laying the foundation for key technologies, right? Such as, you know, virtualization or containerization, um, software-defined networking, um, or even network slicing, right? Those are typically going to be instrumental to both service providers and enterprises in realizing the benefits of 5G networks. Uh, for service providers, for example, you know, like I suggested earlier, uh, this means you know, a network that can quickly deliver new services on par with customer expectations you know, to help them maximize their revenue. Um, and then for enterprises, you know, they'll be able to dynamically uh, access 5G network resources that are customized for their own specific applications that in turn lead to you know, new business opportunities for them. Hi everyone, this is Sean. I wanna thank you for supporting Will 5G Change the World, which is brought to you by our friends at NetScout. NetScout's visibility without borders helps carrier service providers achieve pervasive monitoring in real time with actionable insights from anywhere, any service, any technology, any cloud with any application in any infrastructure at every phase of the 5G lifecycle, pre-launch, launch, and operations. To learn more, visit netscout.com forward slash 5G. Now let's get back to our conversation with Obi. Earlier, you mentioned worldwide technology, the uh, ATC facility, and I, I think this will maybe kind of serve to highlight the the question. But you know, as you and your team work with service providers and their vendors, 
to deploy 5G or even one step before deployment to kind of test out multi-vendor systems, what kind of pain points do you see as it relates to that kind of disaggregation trend where we are getting more and more towards a, a cloud first mentality? What comes up over and over again and what do you think the industry can do to navigate these issues? Yeah, thanks, Sean. That, that's another good question. Um, so so as, as a technology solutions provider to, to service providers and, and also a close partner to, to their own vendors, you know, I'd usually like to, to tie those challenges uh, that they face in transitioning to a cloud-based model um, to key technology trends, right, that we're seeing. So in my opinion, the first would be, you know, disaggregation and virtualization. Um, a simple way to describe this is, you know, the ability for service providers to run software from vendor X on hardware provided by vendor Y um, to deliver services with agility um, at a much faster pace uh, and in a more optimized fashion. Um, again, you know, like I mentioned previously, you know, this effectively breaks down that previous model of, of utilizing, you know, monolithic or, or vertically integrated appliances from a single vendor. Uh, to provide network services, um, you know. However, you know, disaggregation and virtualization, if you think about it, you know, bring an increased level of complexity that um, service providers are just not traditionally accustomed to. Um, you know, essentially, the question then becomes, or the challenge then becomes, how can they seamlessly integrate components from various manufacturers? You know, bearing in mind all the intricacies and dependencies that the um, software applications may require. Um, so integration, as you, you can imagine, is, is paramount to their success. And, and to solve these challenges, you know, systems integrators or, or like worldwide can help service providers, you know, select the components for their services platform, um, validate that they interoperate uh, as intended, and then deploy the platform to scale using those assets that I mentioned earlier, like, you know, the ATC, Advanced Technology Center, and our global supply chain capabilities. Um, another technology trend you see is either 5G or the edge. You know, I like to think that it's undeniable that service providers are going to spend you know, billions of dollars over the next couple of years as they evolve their networks from 4G to 5G. So a challenge that they're facing is how to monetize you know, the, the huge cloud-based infrastructure investment that they will make over this course of time. Uh, if you think about it, you know, their concern stems from the fact that after deploying 4G, it was companies like Facebook, Google, Netflix, and Amazon that monetized those investments on their behalf. Uh, so, so this time around, you know, service providers are, are determined not to sit back and lose on their investments yet again. Uh, but in order to do so, you know, they're now focused on mobile or, or multi-access edge computing concepts, you know, which essentially would allow them you know, uh, identify new revenue streams uh, around your 5G infrastructure. Um, and again, you know, before they're able to uh, tap into that new value being created at the edge, you know, they must first identify uh, and understand you know, the vertical use cases and the related applications that enterprise customers would, would, are, are gonna clamor for in order for them to actually gain market traction with that approach. Um, and then, you know, finally, as, as, all, as all these network infrastructure changes are occurring, you know, there becomes a challenge of operational complexity. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, how can the service providers efficiently manage thousands of edge data centers or edge sites um, without a large increase in personnel, in operations personnel? 
Um, I remember listening to you know, your podcast with Tarek Amin, you know, the CTO for Rakuten Mobile Japan. And, you know, one thing uh, he touts as an accomplishment or he touted as an accomplishment is their ability to utilize the same limited number of operations personnel to manage thousands of edge sites, you know, even as it continues to scale up. Um, you know, however, the fact of the matter is not every service provider network will be greenfield like Rakuten Mobile, right? Uh, and so this utopia, if you may, can really only be achieved if service providers utilize, you know, orchestration or automation solutions. Um, you know, in, in summary, you know, for service providers, it's critical that they have confidence uh, in the solutions that they deploy. They have confidence in the fact that the solutions that they will deploy will work as intended once they're deployed. And then they need an experienced systems integrator like worldwide uh, that can oversee, you know, those multi-vendor solutions, um, validate them and ensure that the design requirements are met, roll out or deploy those solutions quickly at scale, you know, optimize them on an ongoing basis. And at the same time, you know, provide technical support as needed, you know, between the various vendors that are going to be deployed in the network. Well, you know, first, Obi, thank you for listening. But um... <laughs> Second, I wanted to talk more around 5G for enterprise users. Um, you know, something my colleague James and I track pretty closely is private networks where the buyer has access to spectrum. They don't follow that typical path of working through a carrier. Uh, they take more of a do-it-yourself approach to building out a network that really specifically meets the needs of whatever type of outcome they're looking for. So. I'm curious, as regulators continue to liberalize access to spectrum and enable these industry 4.0 type uh, investments, what are the implications of that for WWT? Are you thinking about that as a, uh, a growth opportunity? Oh, no, absolutely, we are. Uh, and again, that's another good question. As you suggested, like prior to, um, you know, unlicensed or, or shared federalist spectrum in the form of CBRS, for example, um, enterprises that needed private cellular connectivity either had to pay service providers to gain access within specific, you know, geographical areas, which, as you know, is, 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 is costly or cost prohibitive, if you want to put it that way, or they would have to typically settle with Wi-Fi, um, which doesn't necessarily guarantee a level of service, um, could be spotty in specific areas, and then lead to, you know, poor user experiences. Um, but with CBRS, for example, right, organizations can deploy a wholly owned and, and operated private cellular network, right? So be private LTE or 5G in the future, that's going to be fast, efficient, uh, reliable, and, and secure. Um, so at Worldwide, you know, we believe CBRS will lower the barrier for entry um, uh, for digital leaders, right, across the various industry verticals. Uh, to deploy private cellular networks um, to, to either increase in building capacity um, or provide a better experience over Wi-Fi and also to leverage the internet of things for industrial applications. Um, so with these benefits in mind, you know, I, I think it's evident that um, private networks will be a key enabler for service providers to deliver enterprise services to their customers um, while extending their own footprint for both indoor and outdoor deployments. Uh, and for enterprises themselves, you know, this enables them to develop new uh, differentiated business models that can um, help them accelerate their digital transformation journeys. Um, now that said, you know, private networks, however, remain, you know, a sort of technological puzzle 
for many enterprises, right? The concerns around you know, systems interoperability and integration yet again, um, ease of deployment, uh, or even operational lifecycle management, right? So essentially the challenges that Wi-Fi, given its maturity and enterprise networks today, doesn't necessarily face. Um, last year, you know, Worldwide Technology you know, launched a, a multi-vendor private wireless lab in our advanced technology center to, to help organize to help organizations um, understand, uh, evaluate, and, and deploy the technology. And we did this, you know, in collaboration with members of uh, the Ongo Alliance ecosystem and also other industry partners uh, to define, um, to prototype, uh, to test, and, and validate, you know, private wireless network solutions or architectures in, in our lab. Um, you know, in the, with the SEC decision to, to sort of open up the 3.5 gigahertz uh, frequency band for, for shared use, um, you know, organizations and service providers alike uh, can effectively stand up, you know, private LTE networks to enhance coverage and, and deliver new services. And, and at Worldwide, you know, our ability to advise and, and execute helps these companies, you know, quickly bring to market their strategies on, um, you know, on utilizing private wireless networks to make the most impact. Um, the, the way I see it, you know, our approach, you know, helps them identify the key use cases that'll drive technology decisions that are related to private networks and also enables them, you know, move more quickly um, to serve their own end customer. So Obi, I wanted to kind of get back to our, our core premise here of, of will 5G change the world? But, you know, that's a really, hard question to give sort of a, a binary yes no answer to so uh -huh. maybe you could tell me a little bit just how when i ask that question how you think about answering it what are some of the indicators that you would look for that would let you know that it's gradually happening right um i guess it'll be when you know connected home appliances can can make me breakfast right with no human intervention whatsoever <laughs> um no, I'm just kidding. So, I, so I, I like the question a lot. I, I think it, it, it would be safe to um, acknowledge that it's happening when 5G can truly serve as a horizontal platform uh, that's capable of driving um, enterprise innovation for years to come. Um, you know, so for, for, for service providers, you know, there's, there's obviously a reason for optimism around 5G. Um, you know, we hear of all the benefits being touted in, in, the, in the press or in, in, in the industry um, and how it won't just help serve existing customer use cases um, with, you know, faster and more reliable networks, but also it provides an opportunity to open up new avenues um, for, for market revenue, right, with the ability to incorporate technologies like you know, virtualization and, and slicing, um, you know, for a more robust um service provider network and then for service for, for enterprise customers you know across different industries like manufacturing like retail like healthcare or even media you know they're looking to to to, to the new bandwidth intensive applications uh with a higher or much greater level of expectation being placed on service providers to provide that critical supporting infrastructure that uh 5g will require um no, there's a, there's a statement, as I think of it, you know, I can't remember who coined it, that says, uh, you know, we tend to overestimate the effect of a technology in the short run um, and then underestimate the effect of the same technology in the long run. So, you know, I, I'd like to, I think we should take a look at 5G through that long-term lens to truly appreciate, you know, its benefits, right? So if we're looking to outline or 
or highlight what what that 5G maturity curve looks like. I, I typically would like to break it out conceptually into phases. Um, and so phase zero, you know, again, in my mind, you know, starts out in the lab, right? So think of it as, as a research phase, you know, in this scenario, you know, the service provider is, is in the lab, you know, testing different technologies and, and weighing out their various options, you know, nothing yet has been offered to, to customers. And then they move on to, you know, phase one, which, you know, effectively represents, you know, field trials or pilots and, and limited service in specific markets. And then, you know, in this scenario, you know, we have service providers that have come out of that lab phase and, and are now trying it out in specific um, markets. You know, the technology is still not massively deployed, but, you know, uh, service providers are still trying to figure out how to scale. And we, we, you, you can admit to seeing, you know, a couple of service providers here in North America going through this, this current phase, if you may, right? And then, you know, moving on to, to phase two, you know, that obviously sort of includes or involves, you know, that expanded level of coverage, right? Um, you know, here, you know, autom automation and, and virtualization enter the picture because, you know, service providers are starting to look at different ways to scale their 5G network. Um, and at this point, they're starting to develop a market expansion strategy as well. Um, and then we move on to, 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 to phase three, where the network is essentially transitioning to a vertical specific network, right? So one that's built to cater to vertical specific use cases. Um, you know, so the service providers start working towards offering vertical specific solutions. You know, now they, they need to understand, you know, what markets are viable for them to play in and to be competitive in. Uh, they're also having various considerations around network slicing or even moving from one specific vertical to multiple verticals. Um, and again, it's something we're obviously starting to witness across the globe, right? As, as, as 5G deployment or adoption becomes more mainstream. Um, and then in phase four, you know, the majority of the service providers network is, is really now fully automated and programmable, right? And can adapt to various uh, use cases and verticals. Uh, you know, in this, in this sort of scenario, the service providers are, are continue to gain that level of maturity across the existing verticals that they're in while also seeking new opportunities to generate additional revenue. And then finally, um, you know, there's phase five where, you know, the network is fully functional and ready to be monetized, right? So here the network is autonomous and, and, and fully self-service, right? So, you know, the service provider can spontaneously meet customer demands. Uh, new services can be, um, can be created regularly and, 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 and dynamically. And then, you know, service is now fully expanded across all geographies and also at the same time is, is, is fully or completely secure. Um, so, so in my mind, you know, based on these phases, I'd, I'd say phases four and five, you know, highlight the indicators that I would look for to inform me that 5G as a technology is, is fully mature and ready to change the world. I think I've recorded uh, 45 episodes of, of this podcast, and you're the first person to uh, to bring up Roy Amora's law that uh, lays out how we perceive the... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the name. That is correct. Yes, yeah, Roy Amora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, very well said. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me, uh, share some of the work you're doing with your colleagues there at Worldwide Technology, and answer this question, will 5G change the world? I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. I definitely enjoyed the conversation.
Change the World is an Arden Media production. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.